48K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Andrew Shirovsky. The headlines. Apple Daily founder Jimmy Lai pleads not guilty to two charges of fraud. The government defends its decision to cut the rate on the feed-in tariff. New COVID-19 cases in Shanghai fall for a fourth straight day. And a Malaysian man is hanged in Singapore for drug trafficking. Apple Daily founder Jimmy Lai has pleaded not guilty to two charges of fraud over allegedly using the headquarters of his media company Next Digital for purposes not specified in a lease signed in 1999. Frank Young reports. In the first charge, Lai is accused together with other people of concealing from and falsely representing to the Hong Kong Science and Technology Parks Corporation that between April 1998 and December 2015, Next Digital's headquarters had been used for purposes other than those specified in two documents and a lease signed between the corporation and Apple Daily Printing. Lai and Next Digital's former administrative director Wang Wai Kang are both also accused of similar concealment and false representation to the Science Park between 2016 and mid-2020, together with the company's former chief operating officer Chao Ta Kun and other people. Before the scheduled 25-day trial began, Lai pleaded not guilty to both charges, while Wong denied the charge against him. Wong's lawyer told the district court that the prosecution's opening statement for the first time accused two other people of defrauding the Science Park, in addition to his client and Lai. District Court Judge Stanley Chan agreed to adjourn the hearing to next Tuesday to allow time for the prosecution to clarify the matter with the defense. Lai is currently serving time in prison for other protest-related offenses, while Wong is on bail. Environment Secretary Wong Kam Singh says the government's feed-in tariff scheme is still attractive, even though people will now be paid less for selling solar or wind power they generate back to the grid. Previously, participants could earn up to $5 per unit of electricity sold, but from today, the rate has been cut to $4 at most. Mr. Wong says current participants can still enjoy the old rate as officials hope to encourage early participation. And he says the rate adjustment won't affect people's overall returns. When we launched the scheme three years ago, there were few suppliers on the market, so the cost for people to join the scheme was high. But based on our data, the cost for people to buy power-generating products has since dropped by 30 to 40 percent. So the adjusted feed-in tariff rate is still very attractive, and people will not earn less than before. The new rate is also very favourable compared to other countries. But Greenpeace campaigner Tom Ng says the rate adjustment will reduce the incentive for people to join the scheme. We should not reduce the rate at this moment because there isn't that much renewable energy or solar power in Hong Kong yet. When the cost is lower than before, it is a great opportunity that the whole society should increase the using of renewable energy because the cost is lower, people are interested and we should keep this momentum up instead of cutting the rate and reduce the momentum. A community group has urged the government to relax the application criteria for its temporary unemployment relief scheme, saying that the fifth COVID wave has taken a toll on the grassroots. In a survey of more than 300 respondents conducted by Grassroots Wishes, half were jobless in the past three months, and 70% had suffered a pay cut. Li Ying is the group's researcher. 
the major problem of the unemployment is due to the pandemic. We strongly suggest the Hong Kong government should do something to change or to improve the temporary unemployment relief. The Hong Kong government should relieve the unemployment relief or unemployment money allowance for the residents. The director of audit has urged the government to quickly replace drinking fountains at its sports grounds to prevent the transmission of coronavirus. The auditor said in his latest report that it should replace them with water dispensers that can fill users' bottles instead. The report said the drinking fountains, which require users to swallow water directly from the stream and therefore are at a higher risk of being contaminated, are installed at 17 out of 25 sports grounds managed by the Leisure and Cultural Services Department. The Chinese university has confirmed that Professor Rocky Tuan has been reappointed as its vice-chancellor. A statement released by the university this morning said Professor Tuan's three-year term would begin at the beginning of January in 2024. Professor Tuan said in in a statement that he was humbled by the council's decision, and he looked forward to continuing to work with the university and making sure it is at the forefront of excellence in research, education, and innovation. New COVID-19 cases in Shanghai continue to fall for the fourth straight day, with officials reporting some 1,600 symptomatic infections and almost 12,000 that are asymptomatic. Deaths also slipped slightly to 48 from 52 the day before. But the city still accounts for the bulk of infections nationwide. Here's Zhao Dandan from the Shanghai Health Commission speaking through an interpreter. To further eradicate the cases and have a dynamic zero-case scenario, we must have categorized measures and take collective efforts. And to that end, we will minimize the gathering activities. We will continue to have the static management of this whole region, the all-mass nucleic acid testing, comprehensive disinfection, to find any loophole. Beijing confirmed 31 new local symptomatic cases and three asymptomatic infections, the highest there since Omicron variant surfaced. China has confirmed the first known human case of the H3N8 strain of avian flu, but health officials say there's a low risk of widespread transmission among people. H3N8 is known to have been circulating since 2002 after first emerging in North American waterfowl. It's known to infect horses, dogs, and seals, but has not previously been detected in humans. The National Health Commission said a four-year-old boy in central Hunan province tested positive for the strain after being hospitalized earlier this month with a fever and other symptoms. Turning overseas, a 34-year-old Malaysian man was hanged this morning in Singapore for drug trafficking after a string of appeals and a high-profile attempt to save his life. Sean Kennedy has more. Nagantran had been on death row for more than a decade for trafficking 44 grams of heroin into Singapore, which has some of the world's toughest narcotics laws. His lawyers had filed multiple appeals against his execution because he was intellectually disabled with an IQ of 69. The case attracted international attention with a group of United Nations experts and British billionaire Richard Branson joining Malaysia's Prime Minister and human rights activists in urging Singapore to commute his death sentence. However, the courts found he knew what he was doing at the time of his crime and ruled there was no admissible evidence showing any decline in his mental condition. The Singapore government says the death penalty is a deterrent against drug trafficking and most of its citizens support capital punishment. 
The British Foreign Secretary is expected to say later today that the UK and other Western powers should give warplanes to Ukraine as part of their long-term military support. In a speech in London, Liz Truss will say that NATO members should be prepared to support Ukraine for the long haul, giving the country heavy weapons, tanks and airplanes. Former U.S. Ambassador to Ukraine William Taylor said Ukrainian military needs have changed. When the Russians first invaded, their main attack was down from the north toward the capital. And that part of the country is characterized by forests and swamps. And so the weapons that uh, the Ukrainian military needed were short-range weapons. The second phase in the east, terrain is wide and flat. And so these short-range weapons no longer work for the Ukrainians. Harvard University in the United States says 70 members of its staff owned slaves before the practice was abolished in the state of Massachusetts nearly 250 years ago. The finding follows an investigation into the the institution's historical links to the transatlantic slave trade. The BBC's Sanchia Berg reports. The university has pledged $100 million to help descendants of enslaved people, including those who worked at Harvard. It plans to extend partnerships with what are called historically black universities. These were set up in the 19th century to educate black Americans who found it almost impossible to enroll at places like Harvard. A samba group that highlighted prejudices against African-Brazilian religions have been crowned as the champions of this year's Rio de Janeiro Carnival Parade. This is the first carnival parade to take place in Rio since the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic. The BBC's Leonardo Roja reports. Twelve samba schools representing different communities of the city competed at Rio Samba Drum for the top prize. The Grande Rio Samba School has won its first title with a song, costume and floats that pay tribute to Exu, a Yoruba god revered by many African cultures and wrongly associated by many in Brazil with the devil. Most samba schools this year chose African themes and racism as the focus of their performances. The Russian company Gazprom says it will halt the supply of gas to Poland and Bulgaria from Wednesday morning. Both countries rely on Gazprom for most of their gas imports. But there has been uncertainty over the deal since Russia announced that its gas must be paid for in rubles from April. Poland and Bulgaria say they have met the conditions of the deals they signed, but insist they will be able to cope without Russian gas. The BBC's Adam Easton reports from Warsaw. Polish ministers reacted calmly to the news, saying the country's gas storage and alternative supplies were sufficient to meet current demand. Poland planned to stop buying Russian gas at the end of the year anyway. The timing is fortuitous too, because summer is approaching and demand for gas is now lower. In recent years, Poland has reduced its dependence on Russian gas. Poland may not then face immediate problems meeting its customers' needs. But replacing Russian gas as the autumn nears and demand rises might not be so easy, with many EU countries competing for alternative supplies as they seek to stop buying Russian energy. Asian financial markets were under pressure in early trade after a sell-off in the United States saw the Nasdaq closing at its lowest level since December 2020. Analysts say investors are concerned that moves to combat rising inflation could lead to a recession. The BBC's David Willis has the details. 
Amid a slew of factors contributing to the slump in share prices were concerns that the world's richest man, Elon Musk, might be forced to sell some of his stake in the electric car company Tesla in order to finance his $44 billion acquisition of Twitter. Shares in both companies ended sharply down. Of more fundamental concern, however, appears to be inflation, which is currently at a 40-year high. Officials at America's central bank, the Federal Reserve, have indicated they may need to raise interest rates in order to combat rising food and fuel costs, a move which it's feared could plunge the U.S. into recession. Meanwhile, a short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 19,978. That's 28 points up on the previous close. Turnover stands at $64 billion. In currency, one U.S. dollar will buy you 127.67 yen. The euro is standing at one U.S. dollar and six cents. And the pound is worth nine Hong Kong dollars and 86 cents. To sport now in Manchester City and Real Madrid combined for seven goals to open their Champions League semifinal. Benzema right footed and he's chipped it. Oh my word. And it's in under the crossbar and he runs away with palms apart. How cool was that? Two goals on the night for him. It's now Manchester City four, Real Madrid three. Four to three was the way it finished at the Etihad as Kareem Benzema scored twice to keep Real Madrid alive. City got goals from Kevin De Bruyne, Gabriel Jesus, Phil Foden, and Bernardo Silva. The former Premier League star Alan Shearer was at the game. Well, both managers can be incredibly proud of their players and the effort that they've put in. Not so, so good defending from uh, from both teams, but some of the attacking play from Man City and Real Madrid is absolutely phenomenal. The goals that were uh, that were scored, it was a joy to be here. It was a joy to watch, and it was just relentless from start to finish. The two sides will meet again in Madrid next week, and the City boss Pep Guardiola says they'll go there to win. To win this competition, for my small experience, is that uh, you have to overcome situations like uh, football give in front of you. So you cannot expect. Even the result could have been better. Madrid is always Bernabeu's Madrid. It doesn't matter with 1-0 up or 2 or 3 always. So you have to perform really well two games. We performed really well the first one. You have to do it the second one. It's a, a good test to show our personality as a team um, and we are going to travel there to to win the game. Liverpool hosts Villarreal in their first leg of their semi-final tie at Anfield tonight. Liverpool are in contention for a quadruple but manager Jurgen Klopp says he's just happy to still be in the Champions League. This is absolutely special to be part of the semi-final. It's crazy. It's crazy, really. It's a massive game. If you, um, so many coaches, so many players out there try and work their socks off their whole life and have no chance to be to be close of a semi-final. And, and we are there, so we have to cherish it. We have to appreciate it, of course, but we have to enjoy it as well. On to the weather, fine and hot, hot, light to moderate south to southeasterly winds. The outlook mainly fine and hot in the next couple of days. It'll be windy with more showers and the temperatures will be slightly lower next Sunday and Monday. And that's the news at one from RTHK. Before doing a COVID-19 rapid antigen test, read the user guide carefully and follow each step as instructed. First, prepare a clean surface and wash your hands. For a nasal swab, insert the swab into your nostrils and rub it against the walls of each nostril several times as instructed. 
Submerge the swab tip fully into the buffer solution and stir. Squeeze droplets of the solution slowly into the well of the test device afterwards. Wait for the time specified in the user guide and read the result. Results taken beyond the time limit will be invalid. When finished, dispose of all parts of the test kit properly. If only the C-line is present, the test result is negative. If both the C-line and the T-line are present, the test result is positive. In which case, you have to take a photo of the result and report it within 24 hours via the declaration system of the Department of Health. Do the test often by yourself. It helps you detect any infection and receive treatment as soon as possible to protect yourself and others around you. Do the test. Protect yourself and others.